Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, May the 7th, 2022. It is currently 3.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. We're currently right outside the window behind me. It is 105 degrees. No, that is not hyperbole. That is the actual temperature. It is currently right outside the window. That's right behind me. It is 105 degrees. There is, it looks like possibly 106 to maybe 108. We may get to 108 degrees before this day is over. I'm a little skeptical about that. 106, 107, possibly, I don't, there's just no way. May the 7th, and we're going to hit 108 degrees here in West Texas. That, that's a bad, that's a bad sign, right? That's like just telling you right now, hey, this summer, you're not going to survive Move out right now. This is probably like a warning sign. Leave, flee, danger, destruction is on its way. But yes, it's 105 out, out, it's 105 degrees outside. Currently, where I'm broadcasting from, it's not too bad, but I've had the the window unit on behind me that's, I've had it on all morning to try to keep the room nice and cool. But when I start broadcasting, I have to turn it off so you don't hear that distracting sound. So hopefully by the time this is over, I'm not going to pass out, but we will see. Yes, that's the that's the big story around here today. 105 degrees is the current temperature. I know you really don't care, but it it is it is pretty crazy, or at least to me. Maybe not to you, but it's pretty crazy to me. But are you ready to have a very important discussion? All right, let's talk about scripture engagement. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how do we get Christians motivated that they will be engaged with the scriptures, that they will spend time with scripture engagement. Now, that that may not be a term we typically use, but that's the term that's been used in some recent studies and some recent news articles on the massive decline of scripture engagement by those who profess to be Christians, by those who go to church. It seems that engagement with the scriptures has dropped dramatically. So we're going to use that term. And I thought before we get to the article, before we even start talking about this, and we've done previous podcast episodes about this, before we even get to them, I just looked up the word engagement. Merriam-Webster, and let's just look at the different definitions. Some of them you'll be very familiar with, and you'll be like, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really work. Let's look at the definitions that would seem to fit with this idea of scripture engagement. Here's definition number one, an arrangement to meet or be present at a specific time and place, like a dinner engagement. So if we if we take that definition and add to scripture engagement, it would be that as Christians, you arrange a specific time and a place to spend time with God's word. A dinner 
engagement. Maybe you make an arrangement to meet at a certain time in a certain place to have dinner with someone. Where scripture engagement, you arrange to meet or you arrange a time and a place that you're going to spend time right here. And I'm going to reach over and grab with the word of God. You're going to spend some specific time reading, memorizing, meditating, and studying. That that would fit. Now, why is it that Christians, it seems in large numbers, are not arranging a time and a place to engage with the Word of God? That they may make dinner arrangements. They may make arrangements to go to the movie theater. They may make arrangements to do lots of things. They don't seem to be making arrangements to spend time to engage with the word of God. They make arrangements to do many things, but those things, but one of the things they're not making arrangements to do is making arrangements to engage with the word of God. Why is it? What's the problem? Number two, a second definition, something that engages. Something that engages. All right, that, that's an interesting one. Number three, the act of engaging, the state of being engaged. They have this emotional involvement or commitment. So to be engaged in something, you have an emotional involvement. You have a commitment. So as a believer, do you arrange at specific, do you arrange to spend time at a specific place and a specific time to be engaged with the word of God? Or is that greatly missing in your life? And why is it missing in so many Christians' lives? Does the word, is the word of God something that engages you? When you, when you open up the Bible, you are engaged, you, 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 you're committed to it. Do you do you find yourself engaging or, or, or do you find yourself in the act of engaging or being engaged with the word of God? Number four, the state of being in gear. Number five, a hostile encounter between military and forces. Okay, between military uh, forces, not enforces, military forces. All right, so some of those work. Some of those give us an idea of what scripture engagement looks like. Now, here's the question. How do we get people to actually do that? Well, what is the, what is the trick? What is the secret? Well, the reason I'm pulling this up is because of the study, a new survey that found that, new, that few Americans, I want you to hear this, the survey found that few Americans are engaged with scripture. And this article that I have in front of me makes some suggestions on how to change that trend. Now, let me make it very clear. When it says Americans, if it's referring to not non-Christians, I don't expect Christians to be engaged with the scripture or to, to be sped, setting aside specific time for scripture engagement. But if, those, if many of those Americans are professing believers, if many of those Americans are church members, then we have a serious problem. And according to many studies, the problem is very much present in the church. And I will argue this has been a problem for 20, 30, 40. It's been a problem. And to me, it feels like my entire Christian life, my entire Christian life, 
no matter what church I would go to, the average layperson, not, I'm not referring to the men who were either teaching Sunday school or, or felt called to ministry or called to be a missionary. I'm talking your average layperson. They spent very little time Monday or from Monday to Sunday engaged in any kind of meaningful, serious, systematic engagement with the scriptures. And you would see this as soon as the church got together for a quote-unquote fellowship. The last thing anyone's talking about is their Bible study or doctrine or theology. They're talking about the weather, the hunting, a new truck, football, whatever, grandkids, whatever they're talking about. I've always been baffled that, hey, it's a Friday night. The last thing Christians want to do is get together and study God's word. They want to do everything else. What's the problem? What's the issue? Well, according to the article I have in front of me, they, they believe that they have a simple method to encourage scripture engagement. Now, we're going to look at it, but I just, I just, I guess I'm skeptical. I, I guess I, I look at this as like, you know, if, if, if I go back through my mind, throughout my entire Christian life, I've seen every gimmick, every trick that you can imagine be utilized by the church to try to get people to, to study the Bible and read the Bible. I mean, wasn't that the whole thing small groups was supposed to resolve once and for all, right? I mean, everyone realized that the church was biblically illiterate, theologically illiterate, not spending time in God's word. There was a major problem. And, and the solution, and again, you don't believe me, just listen to anytime a church is getting ready to kick off their new season of small groups, find that sermon on the Sunday that they're kicking off the new season of small groups, Listen to how they promote the small groups. Like, these are absolutely absolutely essential. You cannot grow as a Christian. You cannot mature as a Christian. This You need small groups. Like, small groups is supposed to fix everything. Well, we've had small groups. I, it feels like my entire Christian life. Um, it, it feels like that is the very early in my Christian life, I started hearing small groups, small groups, small groups, small groups, small groups. I've attended small groups, seen small groups. I'm sorry. They didn't fix anything. The church is just as biblically illiterate, because in many cases, those small groups really disintegrated into nothing more than social clubs. That was more about people sitting around talking about their feelings and having a snack than it was serious, meaningful Bible study. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, but that didn't really work. I've seen Every kind of thing imaginable sold within Christian bookstores when Christian bookstores were the bigger thing. Now being sold online, Amazon, the one minute devotional, the two minute devotional, the devotional for sports fans, the devotional for people who have blonde hair, devotional for people who have blue eyes, devotional for tall people, devotional for short people, every kind of devotional thing that you come up with to get people in the word of God. And then they came up with every kind of Bible you can imagine, right? Bible for football players, Bibles for this, study Bibles, it, everything they could come up with. And yet, here we are, 2022, and new studies are indicating Bible engagement is still dropping. All of the gimmicks didn't work. All of the tricks didn't work. And what always makes me frustrating, and I've talked about this in past episodes when, whenever, whenever we have these discussions, is so many times the person in the pew, it's very hard for you to get an honest answer from them. 
right? When you try to corner them and say, okay, guys, tell me, what what is your weekly schedule? What is your weekly what does your week look like as far as scriptural engagement? What does it look like? One, you'll just kind of get a lot of, mm, well, you know, I mean, I read sometimes and I know I should read more. They just, they just won't come out and say, because in many cases, I think if people in the pew were honest, they'd say, look, here's the situation. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I'll come to church. Yes, I know the Bible's important. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't feel like reading. I don't like reading. I don't like studying. So I'm just not going to do it. I don't care if you give me 30 books, 40 Bible study guides, 100 devotional booklets. I'm just not going to do it. You can give me all the Bible study methods in the world. You can give me all the hermeneutical methods, but I'm just going to do what I want to do. If that's sitting there on my phone for 14 hours looking at cat videos, that's what I'm going to do. If it's going to be 14 hours looking at memes that people are posting on Facebook, that's what I'm going to do. I don't care how much guilt you heap upon me. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. Leave me alone. I think if some people in the pew would be honest that's what they would say. They wouldn't deny that the Bible's important. They wouldn't deny that they should care more about it. But if they're just brutally honest, in other words, if they took off their fig leaves, I've been using that that language a lot lately, if they just took off the fig leaves, it, it would be exposed that, you know what? They really, that's not a priority to them. And they don't feel guilty about it. That's what we, that to me is the heart of the issue, is what is going on inside the minds and hearts of the people. And the people, in some cases, just feel like they can't say what they really feel. So they have to kind of like, okay, okay. But I, now I'm not saying there are always exceptions. There's always those people who will. But l- let me just explain. I, I've never understood this. Now, some people will say, well, because you are going to end up in ministry, and I will agree that there's a difference between someone who's going to end up in ministry versus someone who isn't, right? There has to be somewhat of a difference, right? If you're going to go into ministry, you're giving your life to the Bible and to doctrine and to theology. You're going to be different than the average lay person. But I, all I can say is even before I knew I was called to the ministry, even before I I, I started going to school for, for, for ministry, I've always felt like right here, I have a Bible. And to me, I I can't explain to you. Now, I do not say this to say that I'm spiritual because I'm ungodly. I'm a sinful nature. I've made millions of mistakes in my Christian life. Don't even deserve to be sitting in front of a microphone. Okay, I'm just I'm just I'm just being very honest with you there. But I have to admit this because because this is where I have a hard time relating to the average Christian. Picking up a Bible and reading it, right, and grabbing a notebook and a pencil and just spending, like, who cares, hours just reading it and trying to, to figure it out and, and doing cross-references and Bible study methods and, and just meditating on it, talking about it, turning on the microphone, talking, whatever. There's just a, there's a sense of joy, like, like, it's hard for me to walk past a Bible and not pick it up and go, whatever. It's hard for me that, let's say I grab the Sermons 2.0 app and just hit play and, and listen to a sermon. As soon as they name the scripture, I immediately want to stop the sermon and go, let's go work on it. Let's go. Let's grab, let's grab a notebook and let's start doing an outline. Let's work, 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 work. Now let's go listen to the sermon. There's like a, 
Now, I know you're saying, well, you're, you're supposed to go in ministry. Okay, let's say that there is a difference between someone who's going to go into ministry between the average person sitting in the pew. What should the person in the pew, what, what should their attitude be? Like, at, at what point do they really enter into something that's not, that like their attitude is not biblical. Their attitude in, enters into a sinful mindset. I mean, what, what, what's supposed to be the answer? Churches have been trying to figure it out. They've come up with every trick in the book, and I just feel like none of the tricks work because tricks don't change hearts, right? You can buy, I mean, I, I've spent a good portion of my, of my ministry going, okay, I'm going to get everyone a devotional guide. Okay, now I'm going to get everyone a Bible study guide. Okay, I'm going to give everyone a book. I, I tried everything, and you just will realize soon enough People just don't care. Oh, there's always those that do. And you're as a pastor or as a Christian podcaster, you, it is awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing greater than to see people who do care. Um, for our for our Discord channel, we have a section for Bible study homework. It's amazing when people submit some more homework. I, can, I love seeing it. I love seeing that writing on notebook paper or what. I love seeing that they're out there working on it. But they're, they're, they're always going to be the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority. They're going to be the smallest percentage you can find. And I just, I just don't know what, I don't know what to do. So there's a, there's a little bit of my own just trying, I like, I'm just skeptical. So what's the answer? Well, here we go. Here's the story. This was published on April the 23rd. It's been saved in my notes and my stack of stuff that we just haven't gotten to. So I thought we would jump into this right now and see what we can find. All right, so the headline, this is under a section called Current Affairs, and it says a simple method to encourage scripture engagement. Now, we've looked a little bit about what engagement is. The story is a new survey found that few Americans are engaged with scripture. Here's a suggestion for how to change that trend. Now, here's the background. For more than a decade, the American Bible Society has sponsored an annual survey of how Americans interact with Scripture. In 2022, the state of the Bible survey noticed an unprecedented drop in the percentage of Bible users. In other words, this was a big news story because it was unprecedented. It was like this drop is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been doing this for more than a decade. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you have kind of like a a, gra a bar graph. And it's like, okay, it's been pretty steady, pretty steady. And boom, it's like, what just happened? Like someone just opened a pit and everyone fell into it. What, what, why was it un unprecedented? Well, here's, here's what they discovered. Uh, the, in 2022, the study of the Bible survey noticed an unprecedented drop in the percentage of Bible users. That is Americans who use the Bible at least three or four times each year, and they're on their own outside of the Bible of the church setting. Now, right there is already frightening. To be even considered a Bible user, all you have to do is use the Bible three or four times in a 12-month period outside of the church on your own. How in the world could that number drop? You would think every Christian on the planet 
would qualify as a Bible user. Who who would not qualify as a Bible? Look, if you've got Christians out there who don't even use the Bible three or four times on their own in a 12-month period, the church is in utter danger. And here's what drives me crazy. While, Christ, while pastors are running around, the danger are Democrats. The danger is critical race theory. The danger is wokeness. No, the danger is that Christians aren't engaged with the scriptures. That's where the danger is. But here they go. And every study since 2018, Bible users have accounted for between 47 and 49% of American adults. But in 2022, data showed a 10% decrease from the same time in 2021. That means nearly 26 million Americans reduced or stopped their interaction with Scripture in 12 months. In 12 months, 26 million Americans just stopped interaction with Scripture. They were just done. Done. Now, maybe they were done. Maybe it was a conscious decision. I think probably more likely it was distraction and all, all kinds of other things, but still, that's a shocking number. The survey team also looked at a subcategory of scripture of the scripture engaged. They define scripture engagement as consistent interaction with the Bible that shapes people's choices and transforms their relationship with God. So, and, and transforms their relationship with God, self, and others. Only nineteen percent of Americans qualify as scripture engaged. Only 19% of Americans qualify as scripture engaged. The demographic categories that were most engaged with the Bible were women. Oh boy. I have literally been saying this my whole Christian life. The demographic categories that were most engaged with the Bible were women. I've been, I've been saying that literally forever. My whole Christian life, I've always noted it's, it's women. It's, it's girls. It's girls who, when, when I was in charge, when I was quote unquote, wasn't maybe the official title of youth, youth pastor, but I was kind of placed in charge of the teenagers. It was the girls who studied the Bible. It was the girls who had a Bible and a notebook. It was the girls who could talk theology. And then in the church, many, it was the women. Now, not, there was always the exception, men who taught or men who were going into ministry, they would be different. But if it came down to the average person, average lay person, man or woman, it was the women who were reading, new church history, doctrine. I could engage them in meaningful theological dialogue. And typically, if men got involved, it just turned into some egotistical garbage where they just wanted to argue instead of have a meaningful conversation. Why, why has it been that way I look, I, I, I make the joke. Who discipled me? I always make the joke. First and foremost, the person who discipled me in an in-person discipleship relationship was an older woman. Remember, I, I always make the joke that in my mind, she was like 100 years old. I don't know how old she was. She was old. I would go to her house after school, sit on the floor. She was in her rocking chair with this big Bible, and she's the one who taught me things about doctrine and theology. It was her. It was, it was a woman. Where were the men? <laughs> 
I have no, I have I have no idea where they were. I have no idea. All right. So uh, so that so women were the ones most engaged or, or most engaged. They break it down a little bit more, but I think that's important. Now, what to do? What to do? I'm, I could break down all of those demographics, but it's just once again, women are the ones most engaged. I I. I don't understand it. I don't know why. Every time I point this out, men just get their, it's almost like they get upset or mad, you know, but I look, don't get mad at me. Step up, (laughs) step up. Okay. And as a pastor, I've noticed it. Typically the ones with the notebook open, taking the notes, answering the questions. Typically, now I'm not saying men don't participate in my church. But I'm saying it's typically the women. It's, it's, it's women who tends to drive it. Why? I don't understand it. But somehow we, we got to figure something out. It, it can't be that the only time a man becomes really engaged is when he gets called into ministry. Other than that, he's going to be, I don't, I don't know. You, you figure that out, right? Now, what to do? They say to reach out to a fellow Christian and ask him or her to join you in a scripture engagement exercise called the four ones method, four dash O-N-E-S. The four is the actual number four, then dash O-N-E-S method. So they say, what you need to do is reach out to a fellow Christian and say, hey, come on, and I want you to be involved in a four ones method. Over the course of one week, you'll read one short book of the Bible, consider one question, write one sentence, one week, one book, one question, one response. So that's the way it's supposed to work. One week, one book, one question, one response. Now, what I I have to laugh, right? Because on one hand, conservative Christians constantly will just rip the public school system into shreds and say they lower the standards. They lower the standards. They dumb it down. They dumb it down. Okay, well, what does the church do? Hey, hey, man, we got a problem. We can't keep get people engaged in the Bible. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to see if we can encourage people to just spend one week, seven days, one short book, one question, and one response. <laughs> Let, let's see utterly how much we can dumb it down. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to criticize it. I just find it interesting that if any anything else dumbs down standards, Christians will lose their minds. Like, how dare the public school do that? But Christians have been doing it forever. A one-minute devotional, 50-second devotional, 30-second devotional, a one-second devotional, whatever we can come up with. Now, our, our method is, well, one week dedicated to a passage of Scripture called the Bible Study Exercises, where you have homework, where you're, you have curriculum, you have Bible memory, and we try to get you involved doing it a little bit differently. Now, our way is not obviously super successful because most of the people who listen to us do not participate in the Bible Study Exercises. Like, I can have, I can have 6,000 people listen to us in, say, a 48-hour period. Out of that 6,000, I'll be lucky if a handful actually are participating in a Bible study exercise, which can discourage you and want you to get, want, want, want me to give up. But I'm not going to give up on the Bible study exercises because I think there's a problem. And the only way is to say, hey, Christian, come on, here you go. Dedicate your time to studying the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you through it. I'm going to tell you what to do. 
And and trust me, we're not dumbing it down because we've been spending weeks now in Matthew chapter 24. We're not dumbing it down because I don't think I should dumb it down because it's the word of God. But okay, if this works, great. Maybe, maybe this is the first step. Look, I look, I think it's dumbing it down, but if it works, great. If it works, wonderful. But I've seen every gimmick under the sun. Let's, let's see exactly what it's supposed to do. So here's what you do. You, you basically, you're going to have one week, seven days, one book, a short book. You're going to, you're going to, uh, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to, going to consider one question and then you're going to write out one response. Here's how to get started. Begin by explaining the purpose of scripture engagement. We are more likely to commit to an activity if we understand its purpose. The purpose of engagement with the Bible is so that we hear and encounter God. If we don't engage with scripture, we can't fulfill our primary purpose, which as J.I. Packer explains, is knowing God. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment. Than anything, okay, what is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else, the knowledge of God. The purpose of this exercise is to know God by encountering him in his word. Here are the steps. Choose one short book of the Bible. According to the State of the Bible Survey, when Bible users were asked to choose their two greatest frustrations with Bible reading, about one-fourth said, I never seem to have enough time. While a top answer for Gen Z, 30%, and millennials, 26%, was, I don't know where to start. Overcome both objections by choosing a book of the Bible that can be read in 20 minutes or less. Now, look, I I am so sick of not enough time excuse. I'm sorry. I I feel like I've been struggling and fighting these issues my whole Christian life. I'm I'm just, I lose my patience with this. All right, and here's the reason why. I've demonstrated uh, even in front of my own church. Here's the devotional guide that we get. You can read the you can read the scripture and the devotional guide, all of it, in probably 15 minutes. So that time is just garbage. And here's what bothers me. I, I don't have enough time. How many hours did you sleep last night? Well, I don't have enough time. You're telling me you couldn't have went to bed 30, 30 minutes later? You telling me you can't? You couldn't have woken up thirty minutes earlier. I, I don't know where you go to church, but in most churches, people, especially if you're going to come back on Sunday night, oh man, it's almost like a badge of honor to brag that they're going to go home after church and take a nap. Hey, hey, all week they're too busy. It's the Lord's day, so now they have extra time that they could spend time catching up on Bible reading and Bible study. What if they're going to get extra sleep? I bet you they don't have a problem making sure they get their breakfast, their lunch, and their dinner, right? Oh, but no, 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 don't have time for God's word. Oh, if you were to take their phone and look at how many hours in a week they spent on their phone, <laughs> probably plenty, but they don't have enough time for God's word. I get so sick of it. You have enough time for what you want. Typically. Now, there's always exceptions. There's always a crisis. There's always problems. But if you want something, You'll make the time for it, right? If you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. But so that's a common excuse. And the other one is, I don't know where to start, 
All right. So you overcome the objections by choosing a book that can be read in 20 minutes or less. Got to make it short. Again, we got to dumb this down. All right. There are 29 books of the Bible. The average reader can read in under 20 minutes, 21 that can be read in less than 15 minutes, 16 that can be read in less than 10 minutes, and eight that take less than five minutes. So in other words, there's plenty of books that there are 29 books that the Bible uh, of the Bible that the average reader can read in 20 minutes, 21 under 15, 16 under uh, 10, eight and, uh, uh, less than five. So, all right. So in other words, there's no excuse there. All right. Um, these books and the number of minutes it takes to read them are Song of Solomon 20, Micah 20, Galatians 20, Ephesians 20, Esther 19, 1 Timothy 16, James 16. And when I say, so make sure you understand this. These are the, the, the books and the number of minutes. So Song of Solomon takes 20 minutes. Micah takes 20 minutes. Galatians 20 minutes. Ephesians 20 minutes. Esther 19 minutes. 1 Timothy 16 minutes. James 16 minutes. 1 Peter 16 minutes. Ruth 15 minutes. Ecclesiastes 14 minutes. Philippians 14 minutes. Colossians 13 minutes. Malachi 11 minutes. Zephaniah 10 minutes. Habakkuk or Habakkuk 9 minutes. Jonah 8 minutes. Nahum 8 minutes. 1 Thessalonians 7 minutes. Joel 6 minutes, 2 Timothy 6 minutes, 2 Peter 6 minutes, Obadiah 4 minutes, Haggai 4 minutes, 2 Thessalonians 4 minutes, Jude 4 minutes, Titus 3 minutes, Philemon 2 minutes, 2 John 2 minutes, and 3 John 2 minutes. For the first week or first few weeks, it might be helpful to start with the shortest books from the New Testament. You can read the book together or on your own, all right? Then ask one question about the book. Since the purpose of this exercise is to better know God through scripture engagement, focus on a simple question. What do we learn about God from this book? Read the book with the goal of answering that question. Now, I get a little worried here, right? Because is the purpose of the book to give me specific information about God? It may be a part of it, but okay. I'm not going to get into a hermeneutical issue here. All right, that, that at least that gives you something simple to look for, right? So you read a book and you, and, and you simply say, um, what do we learn about God from this book? What do we learn uh, from God? Uh, what do we learn about God from this book? That always makes it simple, right? Write and share a one-sentence response. The final step is to write out a one-sentence answer to the question about what you learned about God from reading the book, and then share that response. By committing to sharing the response with someone, it will ensure each participant takes the time to formulate a response. The theory behind this method is that taking small actions, even making micro changes can help us to overcome the inertia of getting started and set us on a path of changing our pattern of behavior. Small actions, like the four steps of the four ones method, may seem trivial, but they can help melt our resistance to change and help motivate us to further activity. Keep in mind that the goal of the exercise is not to give someone a static approach for a lifelong Bible reading, but to push them towards an activity which they will encounter God. When we open the Bible, it does not say to us, listen, God is there. Instead, the voice of the Spirit whispers through each line, look, I'm here. Okay. The hope is that once you and your reading partner starts engaging in Scripture in a small way, you will discover what you are looking for and seek more. We can provide the nudge to engage with the Bible and rely on the Spirit to take it from there. So you read one book. You seek to answer one question, what do I learn from God? And then you write out a one-sentence response. 
And you got one, you got one book. And even though it takes 20 minutes or less than 20 minutes to read, you have one entire week to read it. And you got one entire week to ask the question, what do I learn from about God in this book? And then to come up to formulate your one sentence response. I guarantee you give that to some, some people in your church wouldn't even not, would not even do that. And you think I'm joking that even if they did it for one week, I doubt they would do it for two weeks. Many in your church would not even do it for one week. You, you can try it. If it, works, if it works for your setting, for the people around you, absolutely wonderful. Great if it works. I, it's just sad that we have to reduce Bible engagement to such a, to the lowest common denominator as possible. Here's the shortest book I can find you. You got one week to read it. Simply answer one question. What did you learn about God? And just write a one sentence response. Like, it's just so sad that that's what we have to do with Christians. Hey, we've got to make this as, I mean, come on. I mean, we've got to be realistic. Christians are not going to spend a week studying a Bible. They're not going to, they're not going to do a Bible study exercise. I mean, like I know, I mean, I, I, I know when I started the Bible study exercise podcast series, I knew that people are, most people are not going to participate. I know that. I understand that. But do I dumb it down so that maybe I can get more people to participate? To me, I'd be cheating them. They need a place where there can be, put it this way. I, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll state it this way. I don't know how to motivate those who don't care. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just horrible at it. I don't know what to do. But I know this, there are people out there starving. They're hungry. They want in-depth study. And I think many of them get frustrated and tired that the church seems to always dumb everything down for the people who don't seem that interested, who don't really want meaningful study. So the people who really want it look around like, well, the church isn't for me because the church is trying to appeal to the people who don't care. Well, for me, I'm saying, you know what? The people who don't care, I don't know what to do for you. But those who are hungry, those who are starving, those who are like, I want to dig into the scriptures. Well, then I do the Bible study exercises to try to accommodate them. That's the only way. I don't know what to do for the people who don't care. I don't know. I don't get it. It's like, I'm a believer. Just don't really care about that whole studying the Bible and figuring it out. I don't really care about listening to sermons, reading, memorizing, meditating. I don't, I don't care about writing things down in a journal. Like I, I, I just, I don't, I wish I had the answer, but I just think every trick that the church has tried to come up with, none of them have worked. They may have worked at, when I say that none of them will work, not in any meaningful way, because the church has constantly struggled with Christians don't know their Bible. They don't study their Bible. They're biblically illiterate. There's always exceptions to that, speaking in general terms. And I'm speaking primarily about the American church because I don't know what in the world goes on in churches outside of the United States of America. I, I wish I had an easy answer, but I don't. There you have it. The four and one, or four ones, the four ones method. Let me give, give it to you again. The four ones method. It breaks down this way. The four ones method. One week, one book, one question, one response. So you have the four ones. One week, one book, one question, one response. 
you have one week to read one short book that takes 20 minutes or less. You answer one question, what did you learn from God about this book? And you write out a one-sentence response, and then you have to share it with one other person. So really, it could be the five ones. Like, okay, whatever. But um, you get the basic concept. Will it work? I don't know. There'll be, there'll be small groups and churches trying it. I can tell you that. I don't know how much it will actually change the, the, the course of the church in the United States of America, but I thought I would at least bring this to your attention. And I, I, again, I think, the o- I think the only way we're ever going to have meaningful change in this area is that the person sitting in the pew, the average layperson, they've got to open up and just be honest. And if, and, if, and if the answer is, oh, look, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you give me. I don't care what resources you give me. I don't care how much guilt you heap upon me. I don't care how much you challenge me. I don't care you, how much you try to help me. I'm not, I'm not going to do much of anything different than what I'm doing. I'll, I would rather spend time watching television, sports, camping, hiking, washing my truck, hunting, r- looking at Facebook, whatever the case may be. And if that's the case, you can't change that. You can't change you can't change anything, no matter what. I mean, you can't change that. So there you have it. All right. Um, that that, uh, that kind of add, adds some uh, follow-up or continuation with some previous podcasts where we've dealt with this study. Again, the study got all of its attention in April. And now there's a lot, I guess there's going to be some articles coming out in May with people going, well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? It's awesome they're going to come up with ideas, but I've seen this 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, now the 2020s. Every every trick under the sun to try to fix it, and none of them have worked because it's a hard issue. And Christians won't acknowledge Christians until Christians acknowledge. Like I, I don't know, we really need. What we need is lay people. We need a team of lay people, right? Where no pastors are in the room, no ministers, and the lay people just write out, here's our, it's almost like, uh, you know, locking them in the library on a Saturday and saying they can't leave until they write out an essay explaining why we really don't care about engaging with the Bible in a meaningful, regular basis, right? And then making and having read what, what they say, because they, they would give us the greatest insight. Because that would be like, okay, this is really coming. Okay, wow, ooh, wow. And it may be ugly. It may be just be like, we don't care. And you, you, your guilt doesn't bother us. We don't feel guilty about it. All right, we'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day. God bless.